class or in the cafeteria, you don't have any, and you realize that even though you're in the middle of class or on the bus or in the cafeteria, you don't have any clothes on. Anybody have that dream? Was that just me? I mean, uh, you had the dream. You look down. Now, I'm not saying you don't have any clothes on, but maybe you're in your underwear. I don't know your upbringing, but, but you're, you know, you're, you look down and, and you don't have anything on. And the dream turns into a nightmare because for some reason, the moment that you notice that you're not wearing any clothes is the same moment that everybody else notices that you're not wearing any clothes. I don't know how they didn't see it, how they didn't pay attention. I don't know how you got out of the house. Nobody noticed. But at that instant, everybody all of a sudden looked at you and you became the center of attention. And this was a horrible nightmare. I had it all throughout uh, my teen years and my young years. I know what that says about me, but experts say that it's a common dream. And it's a dream that is related to our stressors, to us being stressed. Uh, They say it's a dream that's related to uh, anxiety or worry over something that you have coming up due or something that you have to prepare for, a test, a project, a big game. Uh, It's just one of the ways that your brain takes all the stress that you're dealing with and puts it into this dream that that somehow you're not ready for what you're about to, to do. And we have the same dreams as adults. It may not be the dream where you uh, wake up naked or wake up in your underwear at work or at school, but, but you have a dream where you're at work and, and you're about to give a big project or maybe you're a teacher and you, you get up and you're about to give a lecture or you're uh, about to go in and, and present something to everyone at work and you're just about getting ready to present it and you look up and you realize that you don't have any of your notes or you don't have the project, or you don't have your lesson, and and you're standing there and everybody is staring at you and you're unprepared. It's the same stressor nightmare. And in the ministry, we have the same same type of nightmare. And I've talked to a lot of my ministry friends, and they say uh, all of them that are in the ministry have one that's very similar. As a pastor, you're, you're guest preaching at another church, and usually it's a big church, and it's a church that you're not familiar with, and you're sitting there, and the pastor or whoever is in charge uh, announces that you are a guest this morning, and they call you up, and as you are going up to, to present your message, you look down and you realize that you don't have a sermon. You don't have anything to share. And it's a horrible nightmare that, that is recurring because you feel like maybe you aren't ready. And one of my churches I served in as a student pastor, I was the main fill-in when the pastor was out of town, and uh, I got calls all the time. I got calls Saturday night. I got calls Sunday morning, uh, and we had three services. You just couldn't go in there and wing it, and so they would call, and so you had to be ready. And so I had that dream, that nightmare all the time during those years, so much so it affected me so much that I uh, took an old sermon that I had and took the outline, and I taped it to the inside of my Bible so that I knew that no matter what happened, uh, I wasn't going to be caught without having something to say. It's a relational to our stress because, you see, all of us in life, no matter how much we think we are prepared for things, no matter how much we think we're ready for something, there are always circumstances in our lives that we're not ready for. See, you can read and you can prepare and you can uh, think that you've got it all handled, but all of us face things in life that really we aren't ready for. I mean, think about the things in your life that you faced that you weren't ready. Your first love and your first heartbreak. I mean, who's ready for that first time that someone breaks your heart? Those emotions, those feelings that you go through. What about going off to college, leaving home for the very first time? 
You thought you were so ready, you spent four years or three years thinking, I can't wait to get out of here, I can't wait to go, I can't wait. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a dorm room or, or an apartment or in the military and you're looking around and you're thinking, I miss home. What did I get myself into? No matter how much you were ready for it, you just weren't ready for it. What about marriage? I mean, I, I do marriage counseling all the time with people, premarital counseling, and you have so many couples come and say, listen, we are so ready to get married. Uh, no, maybe you're w- ready for the wedding, but you're not ready to get married. You don't, nobody is ready to get married. No matter how much you think you are, you find yourself with that other person all alone wondering, what did I get myself into? How about when you had your child or had a child? You read and you studied and you went to classes and that first week when you bring that child home and, and you think, I've got this figured out and very quickly you realized you were not as ready as you thought you were. Not raising teenagers, amen? I mean, you think you're ready to, to raise teenagers or, or empty nests. You think you're ready to have them leave the home and then they leave the home and you're not. We all deal with things later in life, dealing with disease, Dealing with the death of a family member. You see, no matter how much you think you're prepared, there are going to be things in life that you face that you're not ready for. Things in your life that sometimes overwhelm you just because you realize that you're not ready for it. So how'd you make it through? How'd you survive those things that came at you that you thought you were ready for, but you weren't ready for? Well, first of all, you leaned on people that were close to you, didn't you? You leaned on your family members. You leaned on mom and dad. You leaned on friends that were around. You leaned on God, hopefully. You asked God, give me wisdom, give me strength. You know that old saying that, you know, that, that God will never give you more than you can handle. Listen, that's not biblical. God gives us more than we can handle on a daily basis. You know why he gives us more than we can handle? To prove that we can't handle it on our own. There are things we face all the time. The, the more proper saying is, uh, God will never give us more than we can handle with His help. You lean on God. You, you sometimes, I, I know as a parent, I know as a husband, I know uh, as a pastor, as somebody in the work field, some days you come and you think you're ready and you just have nowhere else to go but God to say, God, I can't make it through today without your help. I can't make it through this circumstance, through the situation without your help. You lean on friends. You lean on God. And then what most of us do is we lean on all of the things that we learned in our life leading up to that point. You, you do what you know. You see, whether or not you thought you were ready, all of the life experiences that you had in your life, all of the, the life things that you did growing up to get to that point, whatever it is that you're facing, they all taught you little lessons that help you face that circumstance or situation you didn't think you were ready for. See, that's the main lesson we've learned from Joseph in these last seven weeks as we've watched him for 13 years progress. That that in every circumstance, every situation, everything that he faced, God was preparing him. God was molding him. God was making him. Why? To get him to a place where he would experience a breakthrough. To get him to a place where he could see his dreams fulfilled. Those dreams that he received as a 17-year-old, God was taking him. And and Joseph may not have thought he was ready, but God was molding him and he was making him. And he does the same thing in our lives. You see, everything that you experience in life is is a way for God to mold you and make you into who he wants you to be. And it's also a way for him to allow you to develop your faith and your trust in him deeper than you ever thought you could. 
Because you see, it's in those moments that you face circumstances or situations where you realize that you're not ready, that God is the most available for you to put your trust in. It's in those moments where your faith has grown strong and deep. You see, you and I never can be ready for when God is going to open a door. Why? Because He doesn't announce it. God doesn't say with trumpet fanfare or with angels anymore. There's not cartoon arrows that point that this is about to be your breakthrough. This this is about to be when your dreams come true. This is about to be the open door that is going to change your life. He doesn't announce it. So it's not something that you can practice for. It's not something you can prepare for. But what Joseph has taught us is that everything we've done in life, how we've responded to circumstances, how we've responded to situations, has got us to the point to see whether or not we're ready. So let me just ask you the simple question this morning. If you were like Joseph on the precipice of a breakthrough, are you ready? Are you ready for God? to open a new door in your life? Are you ready for God to pour out a blessing? Are you ready for God to grant you your dreams that you've been working toward and praying towards? I don't know what your dream is, and we've been talking about dreams now for seven and a half weeks. I don't know what it is. I don't know, maybe your dream is to have a prodigal son come home. Maybe your dream is for God to to open a door so that you can do more ministry or a a dream job to come available. I don't know what God is trying to, to plant in your heart. But let me ask you, are you ready if God was to answer that this morning? And if not, how do you know if you're ready? Do you think Joseph realized that the reason that God allowed him to be sold into slavery was to get him from the land of Canaan, from the promised land, over to Egypt where he would have a chance to see his dreams fulfilled. Joseph didn't see that. All he saw was the trial, but God said that's an open door. You think Joseph realized when God sent him to prison for something that he didn't do, for doing the right thing instead of the wrong thing, do you think Joseph realized that God was maneuvering and setting up a divine encounter in that prison that would change his life forever? He didn't. He just followed the door. But it was an open door. Do you think Joseph realized when he met those two guys, that cupbearer and that that baker, that those two guys would would bring about a life-changing encounter that would change the trajectory of everything that he did after that? No, he didn't. He just met two guys. You see, you never know where you are in God's timeline. You never know what God is up to. So the question for us this morning, which is the title of the message, is are we ready? Are we ready to see God do something beyond anything that we can imagine? And how do you know that you're ready? Here's Joseph when we're about to read on the verge of seeing every dream come true. How did God know he was ready? Well, I think as we read his story, we'll see a couple of things that will indicate that not only is he ready, but also reveal to us whether or not we're ready. So if you have a Bible, you can follow along. Genesis chapter 41, and we're going to skip kind of around here and follow how Joseph's story fits in. 
When full, two full years had passed, remember he's in prison. The guy told him, uh, the cupbearer said, I'll remember you when I get out. Two years had passed, and he hadn't remembered him. Pharaoh had a dream, and here's his dream. He was standing in the Nile, went out into the river. There came seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. And after them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside them on the riverbank. And the cow, cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up to seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again, and he had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. And after them, seven other heads of grain sprouted thin and scorched by the east wind. And these thin heads of grain swallowed up to seven full heads, healthy heads. And Pharaoh woke up, for it had been a dream. And in the morning his mind was troubled, for he sent for all the magicians and wise men in Egypt. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but no one could interpret him. And then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. And it's amazing that all of a sudden the cupbearer remembers, Hey, wait a minute. There was this guy in prison that could interpret dreams. Listen, you need to understand, if you don't know by now, there are no accidents in the kingdom of God. There are no happenstances. There are no coincidences. Everything is a part of God's divine plan. Even things that you think just happen by coincidence, God has a plan in it. And God was working in Joseph's life. So two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. The cupbearer standing there. He remembers, wait a minute, I remember a guy I promised to tell you about that could interpret dreams. He said, I reminded of my shortcomings. And Pharaoh was once angry with this servant. And he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guards. And each one of us had a dream that same night, and the dream had a meaning. And there was a young Hebrew there who was with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. And we told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving us each an interpretation. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us, and I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought up from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said that you can interpret what dreams are. And Joseph replied to Pharaoh, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh all of his desires. Now you want to talk about an overnight success that took 13 years to get there. I mean, Joseph wakes up in prison going about his normal routine, going about his everyday occurrences, and in an instant he is swept in to the palace of the strongest, greatest commander that the world had known at that time. He was the king, the pharaoh of the largest kingdom of the world at that time. And here is Joseph. For 13 years he has been in prison. He has been uh, in slavery. He has been in trials and tribulations. And in an instant God takes him up. How did God know it was time? How did God know he was ready for it? Well, the first thing that just jumps out of everything that we've studied is that Joseph was available. When God opened a door, when God presented an opportunity, Joseph was at the right place at the right time. And it wasn't an accident that he was there. Why? Because as I said earlier, Joseph may have not known how he was going to get there. He may not known when he was going to get there. But he never doubted that he was going to get there because he trusted God completely. And in trusting God completely, he was at the right place. So when God needed somebody, he was there. He was available. He was willing. 
Think of all the things that we've talked about that could have sidetracked Joseph. Think of all the things that could have detoured him, all the things that could have pulled him down, all of the things that could have made him not available. But each trial that he faced, he trusted God. He didn't understand it. He didn't like it. He didn't want to be there, but he trusted God. Because you see, when you put your faith and trust completely in God, it makes you available to do things that are greater than you could ever imagine. He never lost sight of what was important. You see, listen, God is not looking for perfect people to do his will. If he was looking for perfect people, this book would be half as big as it is right now. Because it's full of imperfect people that made mistakes and blew it, that put their trust and faith in a perfect God and did incredible things. God doesn't need perfect people. He needs willing and available people. He needs people that are available at the right place at the right time so that he can use them for his kingdom. He's looking for people who put their faith and their trust in him completely. And that's a tall order. Regardless of, of what you happened in your past, regardless of, of your circumstances, regardless of where you find yourself this morning, you need to ask yourself, am I available? Am I open? Do I put my faith and trust in God to a place that whatever He asks of me, I'm willing to go? When they came and knocked on that door and said, Joseph, Pharaoh wants you, without hesitation, he said, here I am. You see, God was just looking for the right person. No one in this room is beyond being used by God as long as you trust Him. See, we don't disqualify. God doesn't disqualify us from being available. We are the ones who disqualify ourselves. When we place our trust in things beyond God, when we place our faith in something beyond God. So when we start to think we've got it figured out, we start to think we've got the answers. All along that 10 years that he was in prison, Joseph could have said, listen, I'm going to start working a way to get myself out of here. If he had done that, if he had gotten out two years ago when the cupbearer told him, I will remember you, he wouldn't be in the right place at the right time. He may not have understood what was going on. He may not have recognized what was going on. But he just put himself in a place to say, here I am, use me. Too many Christians disqualify themselves simply because they don't trust God when they can't see Him. They give up too soon. They don't understand and so they lack in faith and and they say, I can't see it and I don't understand it and I, I don't know a plan so I'm going to quit. or I'm going to put my faith in myself or in other people or in what everyone else says. See, God's just looking for people that are available. God's just looking for people that are are willing to do what He's called us to do. There's no greater or really worse example in the Bible of someone that was at the right place at the right time that disqualified themselves at the moment of their breakthrough than Moses. I mean, think about the story of Moses, and and I've talked through Moses' life, and it's so discouraging to think that here is Moses that late in life God used for incredible deliverance of his people he, he stood up to to pharaoh he stood up to the king at the time and he set the captives free and he was taking them to the promised land and they got on the verge of their breakthrough they got on the verge of crossing the jordan to step into the promised land and moses who had put his trust and faith in god all of his life at that moment decided to see what everybody else thought So Moses said, let's send out some spies. And the spies came back. And you know the story. Two of them came back. 
Joshua and Caleb and said, let's go. God told us to go. The other ten came back and said, it's scary over there. We can't beat these people and we're going to have a tough time. And so Moses decided instead of doing what was right, what God told him to do, he was going to hold a vote. And they held a vote. And the people said, let's not go in. And because Moses held a vote, he wandered for 40 years with those people. And he ended up standing on the same place he was 40 years before, looking across the river at the promised land. And God said, you can't go in. Why? Because you weren't available at the right time. Because you took your eyes off of me. See, I wonder how many of us have gotten so close to our dreams, so close to our promises, so close. And God didn't jerk them out of the way. That's not who he is. He wants to see you fulfill what he's called in you. He wants to see you step in. But by our lack of faith, our lack of trust, our lack of willingness to go on, we stepped out of the way. Sometimes sin can disqualify us. Now, he's not asking you to be perfect, but when we allow sin to take root in our heart, it disqualifies us from stepping in. I remember when I was a little kid, my mom had four kids in our house and and working parents. And so, uh, like many of you, my mom recycled everything. Everything was recycled. Our our refrigerator, when you opened it up, was nothing but, but butter containers because we recycled every butter container that there was and we would put leftovers in butter there may be a tupperware thing here tupperware there you opened our cabinets and our drink cabinets were filled with nothing but grape juice jars you remember those days when you would get grape juice jars and you would clean the grape juice jars out and you would put those it used to drive me crazy as a little kid because my friends would come over and you know it's like there's a gif jar get you a drink and like do we have real cups mom Why don't I have to use a grape juice jar to drink out of? But let me tell you something. When I was out mowing the grass or out playing with my friends in that hot Texas summer and I came in and I was thirsty and I was looking for a drink, I didn't go look for the fancy glasses. I didn't go look for, for, you know, something that was decorated. I looked for what was clean and available. Because that was what I needed. And let me tell you something. God this morning is looking for those that are willing and available so that he might use you to do things beyond your imagination if you trust him. He was available. And the second thing, and we saw it in how he responded to Pharaoh, is he was consistent. The thing about Joseph that we see that's probably stronger than anything else about his character is that he was the same person in front of Pharaoh as he was in the prison. He was the same person when he was on his knees cleaning up after sick prisoners where nobody saw him as he was when he was standing in the highest courts. What did he say when Pharaoh said, can you interpret my dream? He said, I can't because it's not about me, but God can. You see, no matter what circumstance he was in, he humbled himself and recognized that God was in control. See, one of the greatest things that sidetracks believers when they begin to embrace and step into their dreams, when God begins to pour out blessings in their life, is they begin to somehow think it's about them. Man, I finally arrived. I am pretty smart. I am pretty good. I am pretty talented. I I can do all of these things. The moment you do that, your character and your integrity fall apart. You start becoming something that you weren't in the first place, something that God didn't create you to be. Joseph was the same. Whether you saw him in the palace, the prison, or even in the well, 
He was consistent. What was his consistency? That God is in control. That I trust God. I love how he looks at Pharaoh and without hesitation says, I can't interpret it, but God can. Don't be tempted to put your own trust in yourself. Don't be tempted to put your faith in what you can see. Even later when he's put in charge, second in control, he stayed humble. He always put God first in everything that he did. Does this sound, when he just said this, what I just read to you, does that sound like the same 17-year-old we read about back when we started this study? The one who, when God told him these dreams, what did he do? He ran to his brothers and bragged about what was going to happen. And here he is, humble. How did he become that way? That 13 years of getting ready. That 13 years of developing. He had integrity. He was the same person no matter what you saw. See, God's looking for people that have character and are available. Let's keep reading. See the last one. I'm going to skip around. If you're in there and you're following along, verses 17 to 24, that's Pharaoh telling Joseph the same dream that we just read about. Verses 25 through 31, Joseph interprets the dream. Through God, what does he say? He said, that dream is simple. What God is trying to show you is that you're going to have seven years of great uh, harvest in the land, and then you're going to be having seven years of famine. That the seven cows and the seven uh, crops were showing that you were going to have a plentiful time, but right after that plentiful time, there is going to come a famine in the land, and food is going to be scarce. And then in verses 31 to 36, Joseph just keeps going and says, Look, here, here's a plan. God not only gave him the interpretation, God said, here's the plan that you need to follow, Pharaoh. If you want to avoid those seven years of difficulty, what you need to do is put somebody in charge that can determine how much food we need to save during the seven years of plenty so that we're ready when the bad times come. And so let's pick up there in verse 37. Listen to what he says. That he gave him the plan, and so he says, The plans sound good to Pharaoh and all his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, Where can we find anyone like this man in whom the Spirit of God dwells? Where can we find somebody like this guy? Where can we find somebody that has wisdom? Where can we find somebody that, that is just plain spoken and that has character and that's willing to say, Where can we find him? Pharaoh looked at Joseph and said, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you, and I will put you in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Think about this. He, he, went, he woke up that morning in a cot in a, a dark cave of a prison cell. And within a few short hours, he's being made second in command to the greatest kingdom in the world. You don't think God can turn your life around like that? See, some of you have been in, in what seems like a prison or you've been in what seems like a pit. Some of you have been in, in a grind and in a difficulty. And, and you say, well, I, I don't see how God can turn this around. I don't see how this is ever going to work out. I don't see how any of this is going to come the way God planned and God had pointed me towards. Listen, with a snap of his fingers, God took a Hebrew boy from prison and put him second in command of the Egyptian army. So much so that if you go to Egypt today, there are statues to Yosef, the Hebrew who saved Egypt. Don't ever doubt that God can bring a breakthrough in your life. Don't ever doubt that God in an instant can change your future if you're willing and available. 
He looks at Joseph and he says, I'm putting you in charge. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole lands of Egypt. He took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen. He put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second command. And the men shouted before him, make way. Thus he was put in charge of the whole land of Egypt. I love it. An overnight success instantaneous 13 years in the making god took him from prison to a place of prestige the signet ring he gave him prosperity that was like a credit card that meant he could charge anything put him in charge of the land he gave him robes he changed his his pedigree said now you're not going to wear scraps you're going to wear these fine robes gave him a chariot said you're going to be somebody that people in this kingdom will know about everything changed why because Joseph took 13 years to get to a place where he would be ready to step in when God called. God has been working. Now, that doesn't mean where you are is not, not victory. It doesn't mean where you are is not great. All along the way, Joseph, he never stopped and sat and said, I'm waiting for the palace. He worked because he never knew when it was coming. And the Bible says all along the way, God blessed him. Everywhere, when he was in the well, God blessed him. When he was in Potiphar's house, God blessed him. When he was in prison, God blessed him. But now God ultimately poured out all of his blessings on Joseph because he was available, because he was consistent. And the third thing is he was confident. And I love this about him. Joseph does not hesitate to take all this responsibility on himself. What did he know about running the land? What did he know about being second in command? Didn't matter. Because you see, he knew that God, who he had put his trust in all along the way, would continue to guide him the rest of the way. You see, when you are walking with God, please hear this. When you are confident in your faith in God, it exudes a supernatural confidence in everything that you do. See, the world might look at your life and say, look, that, that doesn't look like a success. The world may look at what you are going through, where you are. It may look at your relationships and say, that looks like a mess. But when you are where God wants you to be, there is a supernatural confidence that you're doing the right thing, even if the world all says you're doing the wrong thing. Joseph never doubted. He never had second guesses. He stepped into the promise with confidence. I can do this. And he did. He was wise. He was confident. Not confident in himself. He wasn't arrogant. He was humble. See, it's not, it's not arrogant to be confident in the God you worship. See, what I, I'm hoping for, I'm praying that somewhere along the way, I've told you before, I believe the church needs a reformation, the church in America. I believe the church has got to step into the promises of God. We've got to begin to get out of the religious spirit and begin to embrace what God has called us to. And I don't think that's going to happen until Christians that come to church and sing all of these songs start applying those things to their lives. Start walking with the same confidence we have in here, out there. The way that we stand in here and sing standing on the promises or, or, or holiness of God and we, we proclaim it and we shout it and we sing it and then we walk out and we whisper it to a world. Where is the confidence that the God that saved you, that redeemed you, that has a plan for your life, has a plan for your future? It's time we take it outside the walls. Listen to me. Like life, there's no real way to be ready for when God opens the door. There's no way for you to know when it's going to happen. 
So that means you need to be ready now. God is preparing you. The question is, are you willing? Are you available? What if God was getting ready to open that door today? What if God was about to change everything about your life? Are you ready? Could you confidently step into it? Could you trust him? Do you trust him? Are you willing to obey? That's how you know if you're ready. See, this morning, some of you, you may not recognize how close you are. You may not recognize that it's just on the other side. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't grow weary. No matter how old you are, are you willing to say, here I am. I trust you. Can you say that to God this morning? No matter what happens from today on, I trust you. I trust you. See, that proves whether or not you're ready. Let's pray.